Entertainment's podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Financial loss due to payment fraud is part and partial of running a business. That is why a shocking 55% of companies agreed to in the 2021 Business Payments Barometer. Hello, my name is Jack Gianella and I am a market development executive within Risk and Fraud at Bottomline and I'm your host of today's Payments Podcast episode. Bottomline's Business Payments Barometer is a research report that is now in its sixth year. It surveys 800 financial professionals from across the UK, gauging the pulse of businesses and their priorities for managing payments in the next 12 months. Today on the Payments Podcast, we'll be focusing on the key themes from this year's barometer when it comes to all things payment fraud. And to do so, I'm joined by two of my esteemed colleagues, Firstly, Omri Kletter, Global Vice President of Product and Strategy, Risk and Fraud. Hello, Omri. How are you? I'm good. Good to be here. Good to be here with you. And also, James Richardson, Head of Market Development for Risk and Fraud. Hi, James. Nice to see you. Hey, Jack. I'm all good. Thank you. Good. Good to have you both with me. So to get us kicked off into our topic, it's been some year, hasn't it? I think we'd all agree with that. Some year. And when it comes to fraud, it seems evident that fraudsters are willing to use any means possible to take advantage of individuals and businesses alike, which is why businesses, we feel, have to probably stay one step ahead. I think we'd agree. So we talk about insider fraud, first of all. So from the barometer, we can see that just under half of businesses have seen an increase in fraud and collusion since many of us have been working from home. Can you guys sort of summarize what type of risks we can expect to see in our new sort of remote environment and does this truly show within the results of the barometer do we think james should we start with you for example yeah jack great question and introduction to um to the topic here's the thing i am not at all surprised um that's the scary reality of the situation Um, To talk about 57% of large businesses um, being seeing an increase in fraudulent payment activity, we should not be surprised at that. And and one of the reasons why is whilst this has created challenges to security teams, it's created opportunity to fraudsters. It's created the, the whole new working dynamic has created a, an opportunity for people to take up full advantage of the conditions. The playing fields have changed, and we've got to be really mindful of that um, in, uh, in, our, in our year ahead. Um, I don't think it's all doom and gloom, by the way, because I do think that COVID has really demonstrated that organisations can accelerate digital business transformation and and that has made a remarkable difference into that into how organizations have continued trading but they they have been forced to up their game in a number of different areas but i think we've got to be honest with ourselves in saying that there are areas that really need to catch up i totally agree with um with james uh, outlook and, and to his point that we shouldn't be surprised and i think you know we sat last year and if you know expect obviously we need always obviously always to 
keep our roadmap up to date, keep our investment up to date. And, and we saw this uh, becoming a bigger issue. And obviously, we, we took the, you know, the relevant measurements from, from our side as an organization that is aim, aiming to help corporates and banks uh, to fight for the financial crime. I would say even, even more than that, to whom of us who've been in this industry in 2008 uh, would remember a similar reaction to a crisis. Uh, although there it wasn't necessarily uh, the walking from home element, but there is the kind of, I would say, the notion of instability that triggers James Point both, you know, both, both the opportunity for the fraudsters to attack, but also, I would say, a bit more vulnerable by uh, a workforce that is uh, maybe more da- adjusted to that. And, and in addition to walking from home, we're talking also about the different reality of, of work generally, right? We are hiring in different way. We are hiring remotely. We have more offshores and more organizations working in different industries. We're going through additional MA. So, uh, I, which, by the way, brings their own systems, their own tools, their own procedures. All these things are almost like a Patrick plate for, for internal fraud. And, and just echoing another thing that James talked about, the opportunity, I think it's also a, a good notion, and, and you know, if, if we want to really be true with ourselves, really look at the mirror as an industry. Are we doing enough in terms of internal fraud, and what is the current gap with how we're addressing external fraud and internal fraud? I, I think this is very uh, observant. I would say very uh, transparent to a certain degree, and, and and I think good practice and 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 good reaction to that would be to take many of the advancements we had as an industry around external fraud, which is focused on let's collect information, let's profile the relevant entities, let's address this, let's have dedicated teams, let's have investigation center, etc., etc. We should definitely address this um, into into internal fraud. This is true for banks. This is definitely true for uh, big, medium, and small enterprises. So interesting, isn't it? really is. We've just got to be honest with ourselves, if you like. Um, if we move away from the insider bits and pieces into external cyber attacks, we saw that 70% of large businesses agreed that their company is concerned about external cyber attacks. Could you both comment on whether there's a perception that fraud is a larger business problem rather than in general? I I completely agree with that. And um, the comment around insider fraud it's almost felt like a bit of a dirty phrase to use across organizations. It's got such negative connotations around it, but it's so important that people, um, and I like your comment around the kind of, you know, check in the mirror, right? But it's the reflective moment is um, securing business payments is everybody's responsibility. It doesn't matter where you sit within the payment life cycle, whether you're involved right at the beginning or you know, changes coming in with new suppliers um, and, and there's a change to, to, to the way in which suppliers are going to get paid, all the way through to the individual that um, hits approve on a payment as it goes out the door. That entire life cycle is everyone's responsibility. And I think it's true that um, you know, culturally, things have certainly um, been more accepting within organization that it's okay to, to check. It's, you know, we, a few years ago, we were talking about the CEO fraud, uh, um, in, you know, business email compromises. It's also known around the world and how, you know, the culture needs to adapt to check. Is it okay? And I'm going to phone my CEO and I'm going to phone my FD 
and I'm going to really make sure this payment's okay. But this is a different, it's a different dynamic now. And it's a, and inside of fraud, it, we've got to be okay with that level of comfort in challenging the individuals respectfully, and um, because securing the payments is everyone's job. I would start with quoting one of my best friends, Spider-Man, who tends to say, "With great power comes great responsibility." So there is definitely there is definitely a relation between size and 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 fraud as a problem. There are many aspects of that, obviously. Um, big organizations are more lucrative from a fraudster's point of view. Usually there is a big fraud. There are additional layers of, of constraint. We know that small organizations have, uh, a, a, you know, sometimes smaller rings and, and hence safer rings. But there is no question about it that this is a, a problem across the board. We, you know, one term that we really um, uh, help to inject in the industry is, is the notion of catastrophic loss, right? And, and that's actually one of the Things that the biometrics tell very well, very well, I think, from a statistics perspective, the notion that we are moving from a part and parcel type of fraud to something that is more meaningful, almost what one can say, part of the modern warfare. And we need to remember that catastrophic loss for a big organization means, you know, millions of, 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 of dollars or pounds being blazed. But for a small organization, catastrophic loss could be 100k, 200k. So, so we, we need kind of the magnitude of fraud. It maybe relates more around the organization. The notion of catastrophic loss could be sometimes even to consumers. And to James' point around business payments and how we're securing business payments, we can't allow ourselves to be focused and to score, for example, only payments above certain amount or only certain scenarios. We need to make sure that we are injecting our analytics, our procedures, our tools for each and every, each and every business payments. So that's kind of my take of why we're why we're seeing these interesting statistics, and obviously there are a few measures being addressed across you know across the industry to stop it from confirmation of pay traditional analytics and others. But but I think I, I think this is a definitely interesting uh, takeaway from uh, this year's biometer. Now it's really interesting, Omri, and thank you for that because I think one of the questions I was going to ask you was around what we feel that businesses can be doing about fraud. And I think that's what you're getting to. As we saw within the barometer, for example, 58%, only 58% of small businesses agree that there's more that they can be doing about payment fraud. And I was going to ask, which you're alluding to, do we think that's the right stance to take or do we believe that there's more that businesses should be doing? So I'll pass to James at that point then. I think the point that we're making here, James, is we think that the businesses can always have a process, a way of improving their processes around protecting themselves. Correct. And and, and to a certain degree, we need to remember on, on the positive note that there is almost a, so there is a, a perfect storm. There is a perfect storm. Uh, James started to touch about kind of the kind of technology type of, of, of storm with, with uh, cloud and, and SaaS being obviously from an analytics perspective, machine learning, and um, you know bigger data databases with access, you know access for more data, the ability to fuse data from different sources, uh, and there is also you know uh, a revolution around how payments are being uh, facilitated. And we know that, for example, fraud detection prefers more and more data. Uh, and we and we think about ISO two hundred twenty two. We understand that there is actually more data opportunities and more data points that can go into detection system. I think one of the things we'll see. If if we you know also aim, aim to, to focus here a bit, and we're seeing by the way with, when we're having multiple workshops with with big corporates, but also 
mid-size, is the notion that more and more organizations, uh, you know, corporates would like to have what they call bank-grade type of detection. Uh, and bank-grade means that while, while you understand the additional or rise overall in cyber attacks, the question of how do you translate this risk into better protect your base, uh, business payments means that, for example, you profile all the payments, you have the ability to interdict. How many of, you know, it's a question for all of, you know, to our audience uh, around, around this virtual uh, podcast. How many of you have the ability to interdict on a payment if there is a higher risk assessed to it? I think these type of, of advancements around um, introducing interdiction, introducing scoring, uh, introducing additional compliance elements to payments in the business environment will become a, a strong and viable issue in the coming years. Totally. Um, and I don't think we should see that disappearing either. That it, It's here to stay. And, um, you know, we've now got to adjust to how that really how that continues to evolve um we almost, it's almost you know kind of rating your business and appreciating that the way in which you used to do things may have been okay in the past but this when we live in a world of cloud we live in a world of SaaS. um everything gets kind of continuously updated it used to be things would, would be updated software be updated maybe once a year or every two years and perhaps that's the, the kind of the, the the defense mechanisms, the measures that people would put in place, their strategy for defending against payment fraud would have aligned to that. This is a new world we're living in where it is expected that you are just going to be updating, you know, just constantly. We shouldn't be surprised in updates coming out and businesses need to think of themselves as a 2.0 or a 3.0. How are they, the rate of change is just so significant. You've actually got to adjust your ability to consume the new information and act on the new information in in a far higher speed than we've ever had to before. Um, and that means you've got to find new areas, new sources of information so that your organization can learn. Um, you've got to understand the different levels of technology that can help support your um, support your strategy as well. And I, I don't I, I don't see external cyber attacks disappearing, but I I do find it interesting that um, authorized push payment fraud is something that continues to increase year on year, um, and is probably one of the biggest growing threats that the organisations face when it comes to payment fraud. Um, and that you know the difference between that and an external cyber attack would be. Some, someone's trying to compromise your organization um, and, and, and generate, you know, a, a, a non-authorized payment, whereas an authorized push payment fraud is trying to convince you to, that, that it's legitimate and get you to make an authorized payment. And that is far harder than for banks and for those involved in the settlement process to actually manage because everything's real time. So that, that we should be mindful of both of those things and, and be very aware, and the barometer, I think, is very helpful in being able to see the different sizes of organization and what their, you know, kind of response is to the different types of fraud. Uh, but certainly seeing something like authorized push payment fraud increase continuously is, 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 is something for organizations to be mindful of. And, and actually, you know, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about how the regulations are starting to change around, around in the UK, but it's, 
it's it's it, it feels like there's um, there's hope. It's not a it is not a situation where where we should feel like there's nothing we can do. There is very much um, opportunity for organisations to um, kind of jolt themselves into action on this. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like being on your mobile banking application, isn't it? You almost can't believe that a couple of years ago you weren't able to see that the person you wanted to pay actually owned that bank account and you could confirm it inside the application. And now you can do that. It gives you that great peace of mind, doesn't it? Um, if it's okay, I'm going to pivot us away from the fraud piece into what happens afterwards and talk about recovery rates. So we know that businesses are losing money to fraud. Can we talk around how much we're able to recover from fraud once it's actually happened? Maybe I'll come to you first, Omri. So, so yeah, I agree. You know, you, you start to say about confirmation of pay, and I think you know, first of all, fifty-eight percent. You ask if, you know, if this, you know, obviously, that's the benefit of such a strong uh, a product as as uh, this barometer. It helps us to really see things. So, obviously, we need to take it almost as a starting point to our discussion and i think you know a for 58% is a significant number actually it's more than half a, but it's also to your point should be higher i think that's almost kind of implied in your question i think what what i think the statistic tells us is that it's also a res- bigger responsibility in some cases for banks to do more right and and we're seeing it confirmation will be a, a great example of a notion that we as an industry can do more in order to empower the end client. That would be true for consumers, also for small and medium businesses. And we're seeing, and we'll see more and more, I believe, tools where the corporates or the consumers are more involved in the fraud journey moving forward. And I think to a certain degree, we can almost imagine a scale. You know, And if on the right-hand side, we have banks with their super sophisticated tools and as alluded to it before we'll see more and more corporates adopting um, bank grade type of, of technology what i'm expecting us to see to see more capabilities coming on top of the existing tools existing treasury tools existing payments tool that will allude to some of foreign financial crime so i'm expecting as as, as you know we're investing heavily in making for example our ptx platform our treasury platform Stronger from foreign financial crime. The notion that if I'm now help, you know, executing a payment, I want my uh, uh, treasury or PCM tool to be able to do additional checks is critical uh, to what we do. Totally. Never has it been more true to say if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. And in this scenario, it matches that environment perfectly. You have got to keep with the pace. And I think this is actually... This, this aligns to my comment earlier about this jolt into action of thinking of a, of a 2.0 or a 3.0. But it's, it's not just about layering on some new things. It's about thinking I've got to be able to run faster than I've ever run before um, in, in, in order to uh, match the pace of how the fraudsters are acting. And by the way, you know, the fraudsters, they're not sitting in the UK necessarily right outside your organization, watching what you do and when you go, they may well be the other side of the world. And and that's the model that we all live in. And technology is on their side. Yeah, that's important to, to you know, the, the, the fraudsters have got access to machine learning capabilities and, and advanced um, 
you know, advanced technologies that will support their ambitions because they're thinking of their organization, their outfit as a business and they're trying to grow. Doesn't make it right, but it's the reality of what of what we're facing. So, yes, people have got a it's encouraging looking at the barometer that people want to do more. I think the, the question that, that hopefully they're thinking is, well, well, I want to do more. I'm ready to do more. Uh, what shall I do? And, uh, and, and no doubt the barometer will give them some um, some good thoughts about their peer groups, what other organizations are doing, whether they're small, medium, large or enterprise, what people are thinking. Um, but the key is, uh, you know, to consider that, um, you know, if you were swimming, if you were swimming upstream previously, you're now up, you're now swimming upstream and the current's getting faster. And um, that, that's that's really the mentality to. Uh, to sort of adjust to. There is some good news in all of this that does support the change that organizations need to make. So with some of the, um, you know, there was a witch super complaint raised a few years ago, uh, which has resulted in uh, really attacking authorized push payment fraud. Now that's taken years, which is so frustrating um, for all of us in the industry to kind of wait and see how long it takes for these initiatives to roll out. But the good news is we're actually starting to see it. We're starting to see the solutions um, bear fruit and support um, consumers and now starting to support corporates. So, like, I would really encourage the audience to, to really kind of you know, check their sources and make sure that they've got access to the latest, um, the latest views of, of the technology that's coming down the road to support them because it's, it's going to be transformational and already is. So the recovery, uh, the recovery point is, is a um, sore point, I think, in the industry, and it will become even uh, tougher with more and more vehicles moving into real-time engines. Uh, we've definitely seen the, the shift in the UK when faster payments have been introduced uh, and so on and so forth. I think it's a good reminder um, of the importance of interdiction as a tool from a, you know, from a recovery perspective. The reality is that with real-time vehicles, the ability to recover is becoming a challenge because the money is already moving. We are, by the way, hearing from many of our customers talking about four or five hoops uh, before, before it gets into a, a cash out. And, and this, the speed is so dramatically different then it's, it's becoming a challenge. I think the reality is that recovery is a viable tool, especially if you build a chain, you know, a strong line of communication with your banks and banks between themselves. Uh, I'm expecting the industry and the regulator to do more around it. And I, I think we should definitely watch this space. But if, if there is something we can take from this interesting statistics from the barometer is, you know, it underscores the importance of interdiction. To a certain degree, better, better be safe than sorry. And we're seeing more and more cases of transactions that should have been held for additional review uh, before it goes into uh, the later steps in the process where we know it, it's becoming harder and harder um, to stop and to recover from. Well said, Omri. And um, yeah, the more I, I, I speak, like, like many of us, we'll get to speak to uh, people out there making payments as well as have our ear on the industry as to what you know what what's going on, and it's it's interesting to kind of get both sides of that coin. And there's a much greater appetite for 
um, you know, users or approvers that just want the comfort that they know who they're paying. It's as simple as that. I want to know who I'm paying is who I'm expecting to pay. Um, they, they don't want the complication. Um, they don't want to wait 48 hours for checks. They just want to know real time who is it that I'm paying. And when you, when you call it out like that, it's not a big request, but it, these things get confused. They get confused and lost in elongated processes. The technology historically hasn't been able to support such a simple request. But the good news is those things are now starting to emerge. And confirmation of payee is, well, frankly, a, a fabulous answer from the industry to be able to support that for both banks and for, and for corporates. And, um, you know, Omri said it best about what's is bank grade technology that's appropriate for corporates. There's much greater appetite in organizations wanting to be more in control of their own destiny. Why? Because they may have multiple bank relationships. They want to be doing the right thing in taking more responsibility for checking is a payment fraudulent, but also um, it is, it, you know, am I paying a sanctioned entity? And all of those things give greater control into the individual to the individual that's, that's looking to make the payment. So I think a perfect storm is a brilliant phrase that encapsulates, you know, the technology shift, the appetite from the from the community that are making payments and the industry supporting it. I think we will look back at this particular moment in time in maybe four or five years and we, we will look at it and think, how on earth did we accept the situation that we are in? How on earth did we accept that it's okay for us to think that we're just going to have to write off the cost for fraud? How is it okay that, you know, half of businesses are not getting their money back? This is not an acceptable situation for us to be in in, in 2021, but we we've become desensitized to it because we haven't the organizations haven't had the control and have just been fed the answers by the banking community now um i do think we're in for a shake up i think that will happen over the next couple of years and i think it it, it goes back to omri's brilliant comment about a perfect storm it's all related i think what we're going to see is the banks are going to be under more and more pressure to um, provide recovery of losses. And they're not going to want to do that and, and just absorb all of the cost. So there will be conditions attached to that, such as how do you know that you're paying the person that you're meant to be paying? Now, all of this will create friction in the market, but I think it will be positive. It will, it will provide capabilities for people making payments to actually make the decisions that they're yearning to, which is, am I paying the person that I expect to pay? If you ask most people, if you could have that control, would you accept liability? I think most people would say, yes, that's reasonable. Um, when it becomes unreasonable is when I don't know, I could be hoodwinked, I could be convinced to make a payment to someone else. So my summary is, it's it, we should never be satisfied to give one penny away to a fraudster. For any moment in time that there's 1% left on this chart, I will remain unhappy. But I think 
that that's a this is something that is a it, it's going to take a shift. It's a it, it, but it is coming together. We should we should hold firm on the on the plan. But it, it's going to take the uh, the industry, especially corporates, to really create the movement across the banking community to give them access to give them what they are yearning for because people want it and it will make a change. Yeah, so true, James. And as we said, we started the podcast with businesses feel fraud is part and partial of running their business. We want to educate that that just doesn't have to be the case, does it? And we've seen within the barometer over the next 12 months, medium, large and enterprise sized businesses are all making mitigating fraud risk their number one priority. Um, so with that in mind, I just ask you to summarise very briefly, is there anything we haven't been through in terms of best practices that we could leave our listeners with um, from listening to the podcast today? Anything we haven't been over? Don't feel alone. Yeah, don't feel alone. Um, there is a notion uh, and, and, and there is a notion to take step forward and to engage on this. I think engagement with other, you know, with peers, engagement with uh, with your payments partner, with with your solution vendors. Uh, this is such an important thing. You know, we are obviously in the COVID area. We meet less face to face. We might have less interaction, and to a certain degree, this barometer, this podcast, uh, it's all a reminder of the importance of us as peers in the in this industry to engage. It's also a reminder, by the way, as a final thought that. Fraud is a life is a living thing. It changes. It requires us to uh, be up to date. It requires us to change and to adapt. And constant change is the only constant uh, in this in this uh, world today. Jack, I'll, uh, well said, Omri. And I, I think I would. You know, my my perspective is also to say, don't worry, don't panic. <laughs> um, I think it's our duty to inform people of of some of the things that are out there that they should be paying attention to my 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 comments would be really make sure you've got a number of sources really reflect on your model that you've used and and scrutinize it test it road test it um and actively look for what's coming down the roadmap from um you know technology suppliers to help support you and of course we know um you know bottom line are right in the mix of that with both payments and fraud and financial crime technologies that support that you know it's not just us that will be part of that puzzle and it's it's also the education and the and, and the information that people can um can soak up i think if i reflect back where we were a few years ago it's it felt a lot more like we were at this kind of um unconscious incompetence uh feeling our way around what are the issues that people should be focused on um, that may be un unfair in some some regard, but um, if I think of where we are now, I think the industry has a much firmer grip and organisations has a much firmer grip of where we need to focus. Um, situations like you know, COVID in the last year have no doubt accelerated both challenges and um, solutions. And I think it, we're now at a point where you know, we can move into sort of conscious competence um, and really change. Um, some of the some of the um, needle when it comes to the comes to the report findings, and I think I'd take um, take comfort as well. You've got you know there are, there will be organisations looking to their peer groups to see what they're doing, um, but just don't stand still. Um, 
actively look and 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 find a number of sources that can help support you in the in your in your fight against financial fraud. Absolutely, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think for me personally, for what it's worth, helping your staff be able to find this sort of fraud and error that we've all been talking about over the last X amount of minutes, utilizing those technology solutions and not relying on processes. We've talked about the new remote environment, dogs and cats and children walking all over the place and able to distract and obviously promoting different ways of working. And if there's any way that you can help your staff to cope with that sort of thing, then all the better. Um, I'm going to put you gents on the spot just for your final thoughts, if that's okay, um, as we look to tie up today's podcast. So James, I'll come to you first. You able to just sum up your main takeaways from this year's barometer in terms of fraud? Uh, firstly, please take the time to read it. It's it's a it's a really solid uh, barometer this year, and I've been fortunate enough to be part of the barometer for the last few years. And every year, it just seems more on point. Um, I think everywhere it's worth looking at these um, barometers and surveys to see what organizations are, um, are, are, you know, what their perspective is on, on certain situations. So it's compelling, it's well worth the read, and it will only take, you know, perhaps 20 minutes to, to, to read through. Um, create a plan, whether that plan is just to review um, and test, or it's review and act, but just build some momentum and really analyze what's going on around you. Never has the world looked more different in fighting fraud and financial crime than right here, right now, than any previous year when we've, when we've done this. And we always sign off saying, check your defenses and do your reviews. That It's never been more prevalent than right now. Um, so that would be my summary. Read the report, read the barometer, um, check your findings and build momentum and act. Thank you, James. That's amazing. And uh, yourself, Omri? Absolutely. There is almost nothing to say after that. Uh, yeah, there is kind of, it's, it's such a, a, a good summary. I would add one thing, you know, and I said before, it's a good reminder that fraud is, is a living thing. It's a good reminder that uh, fraud um, and payments are not living in a bubble. They're actually part of great for, greater forces impacting it um, and uh, there is definitely a good reason to read the barometer's results this year as a call for action um, and, and if there is one or two critical call for actions that I really want to, to extract is one is what are we doing in, in better monitoring internal risk with all the things that are around that to which extent we have at least the data being collected and the second thing do we have the ability to interdict on a payments? Have another kind of uh, can we say organization is better being saved than sorry with the right controls in place? And I think um, the, the different statistics, the different questions, and the amazing answers provided back to this barometer puts these two points as very clear call for action um, as an industry. And let's have this engagement being continued. I'd like to say a big thanks to James and Omri for joining me today. Thank you, guys. For any of our listeners that want to read the full 2021 Business Payments Barometer from Bottomline, it's now downloadable from bottomline.com. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. But in the meantime, 
You can listen to more episodes on all things payments at the touch of a button using your preferred podcast provider. For now, take care and we'll see you next time. The Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.